Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, uh, iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. And without ado, let's get into the show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. And I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, I talk about four different types of freedom, time, financial, location, health, freedom. And today I have a very special guest, um, Benjamin Friedman. And he's the president and founder of Build, Scale, and Grow. So today's topic is going to really resonate with entrepreneurs, people thriving in during chaos, being resilient, leadership, and scaling. So I'm really happy to welcome Benjamin to the show. Welcome. Thank you, Chris. Really excited to be here. And just for clarification, I've worked with founders both ideating their uh, vision and trying to figure out what they want to do, as well as once they've gotten some traction and really looking to expand exponentially. So I'm excited to talk with you. Yeah. And then we had uh, met through a pod match and uh, it's a great resource, um, great way to connect and get on interviews and shows. So tell us more about your story, your origin story and how you got started and what you do. Sure. Happy to do that. Uh, so I've been at this uh, almost two decades now. I started off actually uh, going to uh, business school and graduate school and learning about nonprofit management landed my first job in a nonprofit. And while it might be different at other organizations, I found that we were really focused on process versus results. And I came to the realization that I like to see things done. Uh, so I took my experience in business operations and finance, went over to a startup as my first for-profit gig, and that place grew exponentially. It doubled every year for three years got bought out by First Data Corporation, and I caught an infection, uh, <laughs> to put it in your terms. Uh, and so I've been returning to startups again and again. Uh, I found that I had about a three-year stint in a full-time leadership role. And then at that point, uh, they would go through one event or another. Uh, somebody would pat me on the back and say, hey, Benjamin, thanks a lot for getting us here. Good luck in your next gig, because we're all set for now. And I was like, okay, great. Uh, those ups and downs are fine. But finally, I came to the realization a few years ago that I could take what I do, apply value on an as-needed basis, whether it's a project, a period of time, an hour a month, 15 hours a week, whatever the startup needs in order to scale successfully, I can come and apply that across multiple clients. And that way, I'm adding value when they need, but I'm also not worried if they get so successful, they don't need me anymore. Yeah, it's quite interesting. It's quite interesting, you know, working at a startup doing, you know, starting your own company, you know, these are all really exciting things and really gives entrepreneurs the ability to control their future and their destiny and really reap the 
upside uh, and um you know it's just a fascinating it's a great space to be in you're, you're really in control of your destiny um so tell us more about the uh wor work that you do um you know with clients sounds like you're doing a lot of um advising and consulting so um with startups what are you, what problems are you trying to solve sure so i'll talk in theory at first and then uh, an actual uh, couple examples so in theory a founder has found uh, their product market fit or their service market fit. And they're looking to grow very quickly at this point, but they realize that the one thing that could hold them back right now is their infrastructure. It could be their team, their systems or processes or software. And so I partner with those founders to figure out the best way to build the business while they focus further on product development or investing or uh, strategic vision that way uh, they know uh, things are moving at a, a good pace uh, but they could also take that focus and look elsewhere uh, and so some of my clients now one uh, is a service company that's been around for a long time they've been growing nicely uh, they had a number of leaders at the team handling the different functional areas but they were all working in silo it was a bit of a hub and spoke model and so i worked to create collaboration uh, across the teams and find ways that we could measure our progress so, for example, a recent uh, project was a KPI dashboard where we're looking at monthly and annual goals and we're going to measure against our progress. Uh, the idea isn't to say, you know, uh, I'm going to judge you. This is great or this is horrible. Instead, it's to look at progress, see what's working. If something's doing better than expected, great. Let's double down on that. If something's not progressing the way we want, okay, let's focus on that. Uh, in another example for another client, I'm working on client success. Uh, so it's an interesting use of transferable skills where I'm saying, hey, what is it you, the client, are trying to accomplish? How well are we doing that for you? What can we do better? And then I take that information not only to help that client individually, but across all the clients collectively, what processes and systems can we put in place? Uh, and I'd like to think that uh, clients have been staying for longer or we've uh, found some upsell, cross-sell opportunities, and it's been a good uh, relationship with that client as well. And uh, so, you know, you know, that's a really important startup problem. One thing, especially for the audience out there listening, a lot of them are nine to five, they're W2. This, this idea of entrepreneurship is very foreign to them. You know, they're very used to just kind of, um, you know, your traditional industrial paradigm. But for those interested in becoming entrepreneurs, uh, being company founders, what's the scariest part of starting your own company, working for a startup? Um, describe, uh, you know, some of the feelings, emotions, you know, those types of things. Sure. So uh, there's a lot of benefits to starting your own company. But to your question, there are also a lot of considerations. Uh, I would say that includes uh, don't expect a regular schedule. Uh, do expect to hear about every problem possible. Uh, you will find there's a ton of uncertainty around uh, your customers, your investors, your team. In fact, the only thing certain throughout the whole process will be you. Uh, if you go to a company, that might happen as well. But typically in a full-time job, you can expect to be doing the same role, have the same responsibilities uh, tomorrow as you did today. Uh, whereas a founder, I think that all flips. And then the other side is you have to constantly be thinking about cash flow. Uh, in a full-time position, of course, companies do better and worse at times, and your job might be in jeopardy. 
Um, but as a founder, your company and your role is in jeopardy all the time. Uh, even if you're doing uh, very well, the investors and other stakeholders might come to you and say, hey, why aren't you doing better? Uh, and you get nervous and you're like, wait, I thought things were going well. Uh, so it's important to keep that in mind uh, if someone is thinking about transitioning. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, it's just, it's just, it's a different mentality and mindset. And just, you know, um, as you slowly transition and you're like become a full time entrepreneur, you you get used to it. You know, you have to um, manage your cash flow. You have to manage downturns, especially the crazy volatility these days. Um, uh, but what what are some of your favorite lessons for for founders? Sure. Uh, so one lesson is. Uh, really think about the power of saying no. I think founders are very tempted to say yes. Uh, they've said yes to this crazy idea that nobody else fully embraces like them. Uh, but at the same time, you have to say no sometimes to your customers, to your investors, to your team. Uh, it might feel uncomfortable, but if you delay and you don't say no, you're going to find yourself doing projects and tasks that are not really the best use of your time. Uh, number two is really think about uh, resilience and ways to take care of yourself. Uh, certainly, you know this, Chris, a lot of your audience might as well, but your physical health, your mental health, really being conscious about taking care of those things, because that is going to be a constant issue. Whether you're successful or you're struggling, there's going to be a lot of stress, and you have to think from the outset how to manage that stress. And then the third thing I'd say is to really find some strong advisors People who are going to tell you not necessarily what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. Mm -hmm. And those people are hard to find. Uh, we can find a lot of cheerleaders in our lives, you know, our family, our friends, people who are like, oh, that's awesome. You're doing a great job. But you also need to find the people to say, well, are you sure that's a good idea? Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And when you have those people in your corner, that's when you're going to find more success because they're going to push you past your boundaries and they're going to really make you think about things from a perspective that maybe you hadn't considered already. Yeah. Yeah. Really great um, answers to the questions, especially the, your physical health, especially sleep and you, you make sure you're eating correctly and hydrating mental health, med you know, all these, because ultimately it's about human performance. And, um, you know, if you can't be, if you're not physically well, you can't, run a company or a business and I, and I love this this idea where you have people kind of keep you in check so you know for me that's kind of my wife she's like you know always you know make sure you're you know kind of look at the other side so um really really important lessons for for founders um you know this day you mentioned resiliency in your past answer and then especially in today's completely chaotic environment how should founders think about resilience? Sure. The way that I encourage people to consider it is really come at it from a growth mindset. If you're determined to always win or always be successful, that's going to be a hard push as a founder. Uh, but if you go at it instead thinking, no matter what happens, no matter what the output is from this engagement, I'm going to learn something from this conversation, from losing this customer, uh, from losing an investor, I'm bound to learn something. If you think all these weeks, all these months of toiling your hardest, you're just going to keep learning and learning and learning, adapting, figuring out how to adjust. Uh, so that's one important lesson. Uh, the second is to dig into your vision and values. Really think about where you want to go. And I think it always comes back to founder problem fit. 
a lot of a lot of founders are really concerned about raising money and having cash flow. Those are real problems. But I focus on the founder problem fit. If you have somebody who's determined to solve a certain problem, that person is going to keep wrestling with it, whether they have unlimited funds or very limited funds. They're going to lose sleep over trying to figure out how to solve that problem. And if the market changes, the economy changes, the investors change, the team change, they're still going to be thinking about first and foremost how to solve that problem. So really define your vision and your values, what's important to you going forward. Uh, and then I think it's going back to support networks, really find people who will support you no matter what, because there will be some days when you need that and find people who will give you the advice you need because there are going to be other days where you're faced with decisions and you're not quite sure where to go. Yeah. Uh, now, transitioning to this idea of, because um, a great, great, uh, someone said a, a great leader is like they find all the people that can do their weakest points that are strong in their weakest points. And so, and then there's this idea of like um, fractional leadership. So, talk a little bit about, you know, pros and cons of fractional leadership, you know, hiring part-time, full-time, you know, when is the right time? Uh, speak to that. Sure. Uh, so I do agree with your assessment that you have to be self-aware and understand that no one out there is amazing at everything. And also something a little bit harder for founders to grasp is that maybe you are good at something, but you should not be spending your time doing that. I would rather founders spend a couple hours a week looking for new investors, looking for new customers, uh, looking at new markets and new opportunities, and not necessarily managing the team, uh, making sure the payroll is in place, making sure there's insurance, uh, making sure the customers are satisfied month by month. And so that's where a fractional leader can come in and help you solve or to build a very specific function in the company so that your, uh, your thought partner there is really helping you to expand your options and increase uh, your size so that you can expand who you're reaching and how much impact you have. And then you, the founder, can focus in other areas. Uh, some of the advantages are uh, finding expertise at a fraction of the cost, uh, finding people who can solve very limited problems. So it's hard to find somebody who will come in full-time and be willing to leave in three to six months. It's much easier to find somebody who's willing to work at that part-time uh, and then also you have somebody with a lot of different experience, so they don't know your company as well right away, but they can come to you and say, hey, Chris, I see how you're trying to solve this problem now. I saw in a prior uh, commitment how they tried to solve it. Would that interest you? Uh, and then the downsides are the same as hiring someone. Uh, you want to make sure you fully vet that person. Uh, it's tempting to say, well, they're only going to work five hours a week. You know, I don't have to worry about it as much. But actually, I would disagree. I'd say it's just the same investment as a full-time employee. Figure out what do you expect from that person? How do you define success? And how do you know in two or three weeks that they are moving in the right direction? So you do have to put that work in up front to make sure that you have the same benefits coming out of it. Great, uh, great response. And as we come to the conclusion of this fantastic interview, um, I know you wrote a book titled Scale, which I you can all which will all listeners can go to in the links in the show notes. But uh, tell us, um, you know, some parting words about right way to balance strategy and tactics and some of your favorite productivity hacks. Oh, certainly. I'd be happy to do that. 
Uh, so the book uh, really looks at a number of different areas in starting a company. It's uh, 130 uh, different articles based on research and practical experience. And it talks uh, first about the theory and then about the implementation and how to balance those two things out. And I say all that because into your question, we always have to think about both strategy and tactics. You can't swing too far in one direction or the other. Uh, so strategically, uh, you want to pull yourself from the day-to-day, -day, uh, a couple hours a week, a few hours a month, one day a quarter, and really think on the business. Where are you headed? That vision and those values you set out from the outset, how are you tracking on those? What are specific measurables that you have in place? What would others think about your progress? And how do you hold yourself accountable? Uh, and then uh, more practically speaking, uh, productivity tips. Uh, one thing I always suggest is using your calendar as a to-do list. Uh, people are very tempted to separate uh, their tasks and their calendar, uh, and their calendar only has meetings and then their tasks are separate. I say, no, anything that's important, it goes in your calendar. And then if a meeting comes up and it's trying to push out something you thought was important yesterday, you have to decide, is that meeting actually more important than this project I need to work on? If so, great, move that project accordingly. If no, tell the person, hey, I really have to work on this project first. Give me a couple of weeks and I'll come back to you. And Leslie, how can people get in contact with you, check out your book, reach out to you, et cetera? Oh, great. Uh, so the book is available on Amazon as an ebook and paperback. Uh, it's called Scale, Reach Your Peak. Uh, once you're on Amazon, you can see a preview of the table of contents and some of the writing. Decide if that will be a helpful resource for you. Uh, the website is called We, and you can see more information about the business there. Uh, the final tab is a blog, which I update weekly. And then you can also come to me on LinkedIn, where I'm sharing uh, different thoughts and reflections. Uh, hopefully, some of them are useful to you and your audience, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for the audience out there, let's thank uh, Benjamin for a great interview, um, fantastic podcast. And be sure all of uh, Benjamin's resources will be in the links and show notes. And be sure to follow him on social media. He's on LinkedIn. And with that, thanks so much for coming on to the show. Thanks you, Chris. I appreciate it a lot. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I hope you really enjoyed that wonderful, inspirational, motivational piece. Again, if you, wherever you are listening, if you liked it, be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe. We're on everywhere, Spotify, iTunes, Google, Amazon, Audible. And without much ado, be sure to thank this show's sponsors, and we'll see you next week.